Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Today's episode is sponsored by Ravel and Bethany House Publishers, which are divisions of Baker Publishing Group. Find out more at bakerpublishinggroup.com. Hello, everyone. It is Jamie Jo Wright here with Madlet Musings. And today I have two of my favorite people in the whole wide world, Kimberly Woodhouse and Tracy Peterson. Hey, ladies. Hey. I still have to figure out a way to introduce people because I'm always like, hi, hey, hey, ladies. It just sounds weird. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what to do for that opening comment. So I'll have to get creative on that. But You're awesome. <laughs> So we are here to celebrate the fact that you both who co-author, which is a whole other conversation because I still can't figure that out, but you co-author stories and you have a new book coming out um, May 16th. Kim, do you want to give us the quick rundown about what the book is and and what it's about? The Heart's Choice is the name of the book and it comes out the 16th and I'm just going to read the back cover blurb because I love what they did for the blurb. So it says they must uncover the truth before it's buried forever. After witnessing a wrongful conviction as a young girl, Rebecca Whitman, the first female court reporter in Montana, is now determined to defend the innocent. During a murder trial, something doesn't sit well with her about the case. But no one except the handsome new Carnegie librarian will listen to her. Librarian Mark Andrews' father sent him to college, hoping he would take over the business side of the family ranch. But Mark would rather wrangle books than cows. When a patron seeks help with research in hopes of proving a man's innocence, Mark is immediately drawn to her and her cause. In a race against time, will Rebecca and Mark find the evidence they need and open their hearts to love before it's too late? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) There's some key words in that back cover copy. Murder. Murder being one. Yes. And wrongful conviction being two. And I'm sure that's what everybody else pulled out of that whole back cover. They, you know, <laughs> I'm sure everyone listening, the first word they heard was murder. No, probably the first word they heard was librarian and female court reporter, because those are, are pretty cool. Okay, so we have Montana, and this is the first book in a series, The Jewels of Kalispell, which, so we're in Kalispell, Montana, right? Right. Ah, I love Kalispell. <laughs> just, just going to say, just give me a moment here to get over my fangirl over Montana and Kalispell. <laughs> I was just in Kalispell last year. So, um, but yeah. Okay. So first of all, my first question is, and either one of you can take this question and run with it. Female court reporters weren't a thing either. I would have thought those would have been secretarial in nature. And so therefore would have been highly dominated by females. But you have to remember secretaries back then, a lot of times were male. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do tell. I did not know that either. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. A lot of secretaries to executives or to whoever. Yeah, absolutely male. It was not a woman's position because you were alone with another man. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of females working in any areas. So there were a lot of times you had females in the steno pool. I mean, as they developed the typewriter and needed things typed up, but not alone with the guys. Mm-mm. That's true. I w- I never even thought about that. That was just rife for trouble. Oh, it yes. was. 
Ooh, the scandal. Wow. Right. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny though. Now, now my brain is going, you know, decades later thinking how irritated women were when we started calling them secretaries because it was demeaning, you know, and they wanted to be called assistants or administrative assistants because secretaries sounded like they were in servitude to a man. And yet they had already overcome the boundaries to become what men at one point were the only ones who could do it. Interesting. Right. Okay. My brain just spun in about a thousand circles there. <laughs> Okay. Interesting. So where did you guys get the first female court reporter then? Is that based off of actual events or you just thought it would be cool? Jeremy and I were in the car um, and Tracy and I had, you know, been brainstorming all kinds of stuff about Kalispell and we had a bunch of different ideas and um, I was in the car with Jeremy and I said, oh, what if she overhears something in the courtroom? And so then it was like, so why is she going to overhear something in the courtroom? You know, what's going to be the motivation? How is all this going to happen? And so between my husband and I, we were coming up with this and it's like, oh, she could be a a court reporter. So then it was going back and researching. And it was very rare for a woman to be in this position at this time. So I called Tracy and I was like, what if, what if she's the first one ever, you know, in, (laughs) in Montana? So Tracy's doing research and she goes, well, there's a lawyer, the first female lawyer in Montana at this time. And so we use this actual historic person, you know, in the story. So we're bouncing back and forth talking about all the fun stuff we can do, you know, with this, because we'd already decided that the hero was going to be the librarian at the Carnegie Library, because everything started with that idea, the historic location of the Carnegie Library. Okay. All right. And is the Carnegie Library in Kalispell? Yes. See, that's another thing I'm not aware of. I think Carnegie and I think East, Eastern United States. No, he's, um, Tracy was talking about it the other day on another interview is the fact that Carnegie, um, especially later in life, he started, so what could happen is people could apply for his funds to come and build a library. So he has a lot of them oh, that are in all little areas. tiny towns. Yep. And to they're called the Carnegie Libraries. Right. Oh, that's so cool. I did not know that. And towns that would never, ever otherwise have a library have one because of Carnegie and these grants that he had yeah. for libraries. Wow. Isn't that cool? That's really cool. And I love the fact that your hero is a librarian and denies ranching. That's such an oxymoron in historicals. I love it is. That. Yeah. Love that. So what made you want to do that? Just to be difficult, Tracy? I, I think, you know, <laughs> Kim and I had talked about the fact that, you know, <clears throat> again, we wanted to do something different mm-hmm. with, you know, instead of the average ranch story set in Montana and so mm-hmm. forth. And so as we have plotted out, this is going to be a three book series. And so as we talked about the various people that we wanted to have in our stories, we wanted to find a little bit unusual, just something different Mm -hmm. than your classic cowboy hero. Mm -hmm. And so we talked about this is, you know, we wanted to lean towards the intellectual because that was going to aid and abet our heroine. (laughs) Yes. So. Even the even the good the good people in stories needs aiders and abettors if that's actually there you go. words. There you so, go. There you go. <laughs> so you two are you two are both kind of partners in crime, and you've been how many books have the two of you written together now? We were trying to add that up the other day. Well, we are, we, are we writing? 
11 are we 10 right? or 11 i think this okay. one that we're working on right now is 11. okay i think so all right cool so okay i know you've been asked this like a gajillion times but do you both write the story or does one of you write the first draft and the other one edit and then you kick it back and forth or how does this duo work because i'm curious <laughs> well since I'm I'm the one that started with the uh, the co-writing way back with Bethany mm -hmm. with Judith Pella, right? I kind of was set up for the way that that I did it from that point on with other people. Judy had, uh, told me that you know she was interested in co-writing with me when I cornered her at a conference, and uh, so she said, "Well, you know." show me what you have. Well, I had a complete manuscript and I sent it to her. And so she then loved the story and the series idea and wanted to get involved and said, okay, each time you'll write the first draft, then send it to me and I'll write this, you know, I'll go over mm -hmm. it, add anything I think it needs and correct anything I think needs correcting or whatever, and then send it back to you and you can then send it into the publisher. And so that's what Kim and I do. Only Kim is, is the one doing the first draft usually this time the book we're working on right now i did because mm -hmm. she's so swamped and has so many things going on right now right and uh but the thing is we plot out a detailed synopsis first so either one of us could pick it up and write it if we needed okay. to and uh so as we put this one together then we had you know kind of formulated ideas for all three books and I write the synopsis usually and then send it to Kim and she goes over it. If she wants anything different, she'll, you know, if it's major, she'll let me know, but otherwise she'll just sit down then and write the first draft Okay. and then send it to me. And mm -hmm. I go over it and add different things. Sometimes she'll leave me little spaces and say, you know more about this than I do. Would you write this scene? That's cool. And so, you know, we just kind of cooperate with that in that way. And, uh, you know, we established early on uh, that she would be in charge of the book and she would have final say. So if there was something I didn't like, I would mention it to her. But if she didn't think that my point of view was what needed to happen, mm -hmm. she'd say so. And that happened once before we had okay. a character, we had a bad guy in a book and I just didn't think he was necessary. I didn't like it. And, you know, anyway, mm -hmm. she said, no, no, we need this. We have to have this. And, and she even talk to the people at Bethany house and they agreed it needed to happen. I said, okay, it's your call. And so you've got to do that. I think when you co-write, you have to have somebody who yeah. has the final say. And yeah. so you're not just sitting there arguing. I've seen people who tried to co-write and it was such a disastrous mess that they broke up friendships and everything oh, else. Yeah. So. Well, that's it. That's good to hear. I mean, cause I've heard the horror stories like you just yeah. said, and I've always been like, wow, how do you get a successful partnering with author, author authorship. Yeah. I think we have first... had a wonderful relationship. I, you know, yeah. I stick my two cents in. Of course, Tracy and I have been very close friends, right. you know, for a long time. And I think obviously this writing relationship has brought us even closer and we've sure. gotten, I mean, we've known each other almost three decades now. Um, awesome. So I'm feeling old. That. I love that though. But, um, you know, she also was very much a mentor to me and we were prayer partners and, you know, just yeah. 
prayed together through all kinds of stuff before she ever said, oh, hey, let's write together. And that was a huge part of our relationship. The fact that we both had that trust for one another. And, you know, I still always joke. It's like, I'm her biggest fan, you know, mm. I'm still, I love Tracy's books, you know? Oh yeah. Um, and it's, I, I will always be, you know, her biggest fan. I, mm. I love her to pieces so and, um, she, well, if she I can interrupt, my biggest cheerleader, you but know? I need to interrupt Kim. Cause I'm, yeah. I'm Tracy's biggest fan. <laughs> You too. Are so I mean, funny. I want to hear what you have to say, but I just need to set the record straight. Okay. You can, keep I going. can't believe that Jamie reads <laughs> romance. <laughs> okay. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, okay. Back to Kim, but yes, I, I have shelves of Tracy Peterson books in my house. Just throwing that out. Um, but are they all signed? Because, you know, Tracy, <laughs> Tracy spent a week one time at our house and secretly she was downstairs in the, cause I kept joking about how cool it would be to have an entire collection of Tracy Peterson books signed by, by Tracy Peterson. And so she left, she left little notes all over the place and signed over the course of days, you know, all of my books that were downstairs. <laughs> Fine. You win. You win. Is that what she wanted, Kim? You wanted to win? <laughs> no, we can be cheer. We can have our pom-poms together. And okay. Fan. Yay. I love it. <laughs> We'll, we'll be duo fans for Tracy, but, but seriously, I mean, it just, it was um, like when she talked about the time that, you know, we disagreed, the thing is, you know, we didn't have any, there was no negative part of a disagreement or whatever. It's just, you know, she was like, okay, this is what I think. Let's, let's talk about this, you know, yeah. let's hash it out. It was kind of like the opinion and the, and we just, we, we talked about it and she's like, okay, you know, let's, let's see. And she goes, what she, said, what she said made sense. And that's yeah. the whole thing. You have to have that mutual respect for yeah. sure. And like Kim said, we were prayer partners first. So we prayed mm. this, not yeah. out of this whole <laughs> idea of writing together. And uh, <laughs> I just we, made Tracy say that she prayed this, not out of something. I know. A little Kim, and so then I start picking up Kim colloquialisms. I love um, that. But also, it's super important that you read what the other person wrote mm -hmm. and what they write. And so each time I've co-written, I looked thor thoroughly through the things that somebody wrote. And the only time that, you know, I found myself in that position where they weren't a writer, it was not a good, it was not a good coming together for, you know, co-writing. Yeah. Right. And so with Kim and I, you know, I knew her heart also. Mm -hmm. And for me, my writing is a ministry. And I don't think I could co-write well with anybody who that wasn't their their thought too. Right. So Kim's heart has been, you know, very much as mine to share the gospel and to encourage people with biblical application. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that too, because now more than ever, it seems that we're needing more and more of that. Oh, for sure saturating our culture um yes. so tell me a little bit um i, I want to just keep going on that line because i love the concept and tracy you and i have talked about your writing as a ministry and kim mm -hmm. you and i have talked about that a little bit but why do you think for the readers who are listening why do you think there is such um an important factor within christian fiction like why wouldn't you just write nonfiction? Bible studies. Um, why do we need Christian fiction? I think there's so many people that wouldn't pick up a nonfiction book. They won't pick up the Bible. They might even go to church, but that's not where they're going to really focus their attention. 
And so like, I've had so many different fan letters from people who picked up, a, you know, the fiction book for whatever reason, and then was just blown away by how God spoke to their heart. A lot of times it's been people who walked away from their faith and then saw themselves in the lives of these characters. And I think that's, I think that's so cool because it's such a like innocent way that God reaches somebody, you know, it's not a smack over your head with a, with a church service or, or, you know, here's your Bible study, but it's just, it comes in kind of through the back door and just kind of sits down and is friends with you. And all of a sudden, then you realize you're talking about something really deep. (laughs) And I think that's what happens. It's just a casual, comfortable way of reaching the reader with the truth. Yeah. Absolutely. Kim, do you have anything to add to that? Well, Tracy said it really well, but you know, it's the fact that so many people nowadays, we we are in a lost and dying world. Yeah. And people are seriously hurting. You know, we've just, we've been through so much the past few years as a world. And, you know, from my perspective, it looks like everything's just kind of falling apart, you know? And so people are looking for hope and they are looking for what is going to fill that hole Mm -hmm. on the inside and a lot of people look to story for that because they just want entertainment or they just you know need something to just kind of feed you know them and they realize that what they really need you know we know what they really need right to fill that hole and they need Jesus and it's amazing how God uses whatever you know, and Jamie, you do this beautifully in your books as well, but whatever we are going through in our own personal lives, you know, God uses that to pour out onto the page for his story, you know, Mm -hmm. and what the beauty of his story and what he's going to do. And, you know, a lot of times, especially our, our previous books, you know, uh, our spiritual theme and the spiritual arc throughout a book was based on whatever Tracy and I were studying, you know, together. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Um, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) in Bible study. And, um, so, or it's been based off of something that personally one or both of us, you know, are going through at the same time and, and it does, it it bleeds onto the page, but then it's that much more real for the reader and for them to connect with the characters, for them to connect with, um, just like we were talking about earlier with grief, you know, Mm -hmm. I just lost my dad and you recently lost your mom. And for that to show up, in the story and for the reader to be able to connect with that because people, people connect with the hard stuff better than the happy stuff. The happy stuff might make them feel good and might be that, Oh, you know, I'm just going to, you know, get away for a little bit and escape, but it's the hard stuff that they connect with and they go, yes, I'm not alone. You know, there's other people that have dealt with this and yes, there's hope because I'm not alone. Um, Yeah. So I didn't say it as well as Tracy. There you go. Well, and, and the thing is, Jamie, you and I've talked to before. Most all of my books have a theme of forgiveness in them yep. because that's just a critical <clears throat> issue and has been in my life. But I've also seen it so much of a big deal in the lives of other people and, and seen whole families destroyed because of the lack of forgiveness. And I had a letter from... <clears throat> excuse me, Mm -hmm. a woman in her nineties who had been churched all her life, but struggled with forgiveness. 
And she said, I read your book and suddenly I finally understood about mm. forgiveness mm -hmm. because in the storyline, then I had pointed out that forgiveness wasn't approval. It wasn't acceptance of what had happened. It was the releasing of your right to ret retribution and giving that to God. Mm. And she said, I never understood that that's what that was. She says, I always thought by forgiving somebody, I was saying, that's okay. It's okay. And it's not okay. You know? Right. And so she was just blown away. Here she is in her nineties, has struggled to forgive people all her life mm. and knows, however, that the Bible says, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Mm -hmm. And so was just really reeling. And, and here she is in her nineties, not probably having that many more years right? and feeling like God can't forgive me because I can't forgive. And finally, she said it was just such a liberating thing. And that's what I always try to point out in my stories is that forgiveness really isn't for the other person at all. It's <laughs> right. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that goes with that. Is it, it, it's in Proverbs. I think it says bitterness dries up the bones and it's not the yes. bones of your enemy that's getting dried up. It's your own because you're yours. sapping sapping energy. Are you enjoying today's broadcast with our featured author? You can find out more about them and other authors from Baker Publishing Group at bakerbookhouse.com. Use code MADLIT40 for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title at bakerbookhouse.com. This also includes Ravel and Bethany House Publishing. Go over fast. It's MADLIT40. That's your magic code for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title. So writing a story, and I know I, I have my own opinions and, and thoughts on this question too, but I want to hear yours. Um, writing a story from a position of vulnerability mm -hmm. um, in a society where there's almost two ends of the spectrum. There's extremely private, reveal nothing, and carry on with this almost shallow facade of presenting yourself to the world, especially when, and don't take this the wrong way, when you're famous like Tracy Peterson and Kimberly Woodhouse, you know, <laughs> there is a level of privacy that you obviously want to maintain. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where on social media, the world just kind of vomits out all their woes and everything and nothing is private. So how do you find a balance and how do you approach the concept of bringing your own personal vulnerability, if I can say that word, into your stories um, in a way that God can use it and you can feel comfortable presenting it. And Kim, you had mentioned that kind of in your <clears throat> comment too about struggling with grief and putting some of your personal experiences mm -hmm. into this story. So I guess that's kind of an open-ended question, I suppose, but. Well, you know, for me, um, I want to be real with people. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, I'm actually, I'm actually a very private person. And there's so much that people don't know about me because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a private person, you know, right. Tracy knows the good, bad, and the ugly, but there's, there's very few people who actually, you know, know that much. Um, but I've always said, and a lot of this happened because of all of the national TV stuff that our family was on, you know, that didn't have to do with my fiction books or right. nonfiction books. And 
um, I wanted people to see me for who I was because even all these people that I'd known for a really long time treated me differently because I was their famous friend, you know, that had mm-hmm. been on TV and, mm-hmm. and it was just weird. And it's like, I need to be me and I need, mm-hmm. I don't let me cry. <laughs> I need to be loved for Kim, right. you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm still this person and I have feelings and, and vulnerable. So I started saying back then during this time, it's been 15 years now, but I said, you know, I don't have time for fluffy bunny relationships. Mm. You know, I want just my little goofy phrase, you know, I want people to know that I'm real. So in story, I think it's really important to show the reality and for me to be vulnerable putting it out on the page. And I know Tracy feels the same thing because it's, we want to be real. We don't want to be fluffy bunny and we don't want to be fake. Um, I don't want a facade. It's just, this is who I am. And I feel like the characters need to be the same way in a book is, you know, they need to be real and they, they're going to be real and they're going to have struggles. And half the time they don't, they might not understand their struggles. They might not understand that they are leading this life with a facade and they, they need to be, they need to become real, you know, throughout the story, whatever their arc might be, but I don't have time for that. And I don't think readers have time for, nobody wants to read a character that's flat and everything's hunky dory all the time. And, Oh, I feel good. And that's great. And oh, that was fun. Let's put the book back on the shelf, you know? Right. Right. I totally agree. I mean, like Kim said, I'm a very private person. I I'm very shy. When I when I do speaking events, I totally give it over to the Lord and he gets me through it. I can't yeah. even tell you, you know, how many times I have right up into the moment I've stepped up on the stage, wished I hadn't agreed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but the the thing is in the stories, I think you know, it's also a matter of helping the reader to understand better the spiritual aspects and the mm-hmm. understanding that they do have someone out there uh, that understands. And so in sharing things that are are that make me more vulnerable or whatever, I think that it's easier to do that knowing that I'm doing this as a part of the ministry to Mm. relate to the reader and let them know they're not alone Mm. and that this worked for me and it can work for you, that kind of thing. But, you know, again, I don't think that there's anything to be gained or merited by sharing every intimate detail of your life with, with strangers and, I think people need to be more respectful of that with each mm-hmm. other because I see that on online all the time. And I wonder what possessed this person to, you know, share these kind of details online. And so I'm a firm believer that some things still do need to be hidden <laughs> away and covered right. up or whatever, <laughs> you know, but in the stories that presents a beautiful place to share mm-hmm. some of those intimate details that, that, you know, people are struggling with. Yeah, their fears, their phobias, their anguishes, you know, and so tapping into that as as writers, you know, as well as I do, Jimmy, you you research and Mm -hmm. you listen to other people 
and you pull in the things that you don't necessarily know intimately to put into those characters. And so then you can create a character who really touches the life of someone who's dealing with that very same problem. And I used this as an example the other day when I was talking to someone who was, was saying how, you know, you must have gone through this in, in reference to something in a story. And I'm like, no, I wrote a book about a woman with infertility problems. Mm-hmm. And I had a rush of letters from women saying, oh my gosh, you, you nailed this so well and you must have gone through this. No, I had, but I had friends who had, and I read about people who had, and I listened to their heart and read between the lines and I was able to write that into the story. I think that's where God's gift is involved. Mm, he helps yeah. me as a storyteller to relate to other things that I haven't gone through necessarily, yeah. but to understand that at the very center of all of us is that need to be loved, that need to belong, mm. that need to be to feel that somebody cares. Right, right. Wow. Okay. Well, I just felt like I had a deep on Bible study there. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true though. You know, and I think that's one of the things that I love about Christian fiction is um, there are, you know, let's just be honest. I am probably one of the least likely individuals to ever pick up a nonfiction book and read it. The closest to nonfiction I might read is a memoir Um, Mm. because again, it's a story of someone else's life and so fiction, you know, even growing up for me was such a a devotional, so to speak, of mm-hmm. learning lessons. And, and I always gravitated toward the writers who I could read a story, but I could also walk away with some sort of application. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's one of the things that I, you know, both both of you have communicated to me that you strive to do so that people can mm-hmm. walk away with more than yeah. just a story. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think that's the whole point for, and this is just Kim's opinion. Okay. (laughs) Kim is just stating her opinion. Um, I don't write for just me personally. I don't write for entertainment. I don't read for entertainment. And I know there are people who do, so Mm -hmm. that's totally fine. I do. But, but for me, you know, it's, I, I need to get something out of it. Mm -hmm. I need I need to learn and grow. My personality is that, you know, I constantly want to be learning and growing. I constantly want to be learning and growing. So my purpose statement, you know, for my books, I might've said it on here before, but is that I want to point the non-believer to God. I don't need to beat them over the head with the Bible, but they need to be pointed to hope. They need to be pointed, you know, to Jesus. And then the other side of that is to challenge the believer in his or her walk with Christ mm-hmm. um, so that they do have some, you know, some point of application or something to take away from the story. And if they're entertained, that's great. Right. I mean, right. we want them to right. have a little bit of that entertainment value, but for me, that's not why I read or why I would want to write or just, just entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and see, we're still working on Kim to learn that there is value in entertainment yeah. and just relaxing. She keeps forgetting <laughs> that on the seventh day, God rested <laughs> and he I enjoyed have, himself. I do have a problem. Like even Karen, Karen, <laughs> Hall, you know, who are, who is our editor and she was mm-hmm. my first editor for fiction. She's brilliant. And my very first fiction book, she was like, Kim, she said, I know your life. 
is constant stress and constant chaos. And it has been this way, you know, ever since I've known you. And she goes, and I know that your life is boom, 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 you know, this constant. She goes, but the reader needs to breathe. Um, <laughs> and I think one of the beautiful things of writing historical fiction, and, and I've always loved historical, but writing historical fiction really helped me to understand a little bit more about that concept of, of allowing it to breathe. And, you know, not that I'm against entertainment, but that's not my number one reason, right? I don't read just number one, you know, to be entertained. And I don't write number one to be entertained. I know that that's a piece of the puzzle, but um, it's just because my life is, I just happen to be one of those people that it's a constant roller coaster of events. Like if, if everybody knew what really happened in my life, if I were to write everything down, you know, people would be like, there's no, no way. way. It happened. No. Kim, if your life was put in a fiction novel, people yeah, would say, I'm not would. publishing this. It's not believable enough. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That is Kimberly Woodhouse. Yes. <laughs> there you are, people. Yes. <laughs> right there. And then there's Tracy and Jamie Joe, who watch at, or read for entertainment. We don't, well, you we don't watch great. our books for entertainment. We like to be like, entertained. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. And uh, again, I'm <laughs> bad please don't let me no no coming across that way no no you're you're coming across it I'm not changing my habits based on your lack of need for entertainment Kim don't worry (laughs) I don't think I would see and it's funny how people are different um with writing even because I don't know that I could write stories without taking time out to be entertained if that makes sense. There's something, something refueling to feed off of other people's creativity and storytelling and Mm -hmm. acting or what, you know, whether it's television or television, does anybody say television anymore? Whether it's television (laughs) or books. Um, But it's like, even right now, speaking with you is energizing me. It's true. That is true. Yeah. This is refreshing. It is in the middle of the chaos of what is going on in my life right now. Yes, this is very. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and hopefully the podcast listeners are being refreshed too, because we haven't really talked much about your book, but that's okay. (laughs) We have a great book. All of this is about our book. All of this is about your book. And I do what went into it. And this is what you'll hopefully get a little piece of as you read it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I think reader, I mean, I know I'm a reader, so I know readers enjoy hearing this part of the story. You know, I can read the book to find out what Rebecca Whitman is going to be like in the book or what Mark Andrews is going to be like, but hearing the author's hearts, the story of the story behind the story um, yeah. is what's really, oh, I should change my podcast name to the story behind the story. Okay. I like that. I like that. No, right. Right. No more mad lit musings here. Change of title. No, but, but you know, but what? wait, we have what? to tell you about our favorite character before oh. I forget. Okay, yes. And this character is going to be in all three books. Is it a chicken? And I can't. No. no. <laughs> I can't wait for everybody to meet Marvella. So we are hoping to hear from, I mean, we hear from lots of readers all the time, but we are hoping to hear from all of our readers about their first um, okay. meeting with Marvella. And Absolutely. The heart's choice. Okay. <laughs> Marvella and the judge. Yes. Okay. All right. If that's not enticement enough for those of you who are listening to go out and pre-order, because you have a little bit of time yet, um, but you can pre-order the heart's choice. And then if you're listening to this after May 16th, just order the heart's choice. Yes. 
Um, it's by Tracy Peterson and Kimberly Woodhouse. It's book one of the Jewels of Kalispell. It's published by Bethany House Publishers. It has the word murder on the back cover, which is a <laughs> huge selling point. And it's 336 pages. This is all the facts that I'm stealing off the screen next to me. So <laughs> it's a good long read. Tracy and Kim, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And um, let's do this again. Let's. Thank you. I just adore you. You're awesome. Ditto. D-I-double-T-O. <laughs> I can't even talk. So <laughs> I love you. That's great. Thank you for listening to Mad Lit Musings. You can find out more information about Mad Lit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.